0: Hey, it's great to be with you as we continue this journey towards some kind of normal, Uh, I don't know what the last couple of months has been like for you, but people I've talked to, pretty much everyone has found it a real stretch. Uh, Certainly I know I found it harder than I expected it would. It it didn't go as well as I expected it would, like it was a real stretch. And there's been some real funny stuff around around how the stretch has been different for different kind of people and different kind of personalities. So you know, one of the common ones was the kind of introvert, extrovert thing. So I remember just before uh, lockdown seeing this comment about Take care of your extrovert. They have no idea how this works. And I was kind of like, like, this is going to be tough for them, but us introverts, we got this. But I'm de- I'm definitely much more on the introvert side, and like two hours into the first morning, I'm like, no, this is not introvert heaven. Like my cave has been invaded. Like there are Zoom calls coming one after the other, and there's a person sitting next to me on the couch who's getting Zoom calls. Like this is not introvert heaven. This is introvert hell. And it's like, so this is a stretch. This has been a stretch for everyone, you know. And then and then I, just a week ago, I saw as we're starting to come out of it, I saw this other thing, you know, introvert extroverts cannot recharge because there are not enough people around them to recharge with. But then I said, well, introverts cannot recharge because there is that one awkward extrovert in their bubble who's always hanging around trying to get recharged. I was like, ah, like this is a stretch, however you're wired. Uh, But today, I I wanna talk about another dimension where I think there's a stretch now, uh, and it's a stretch coming out of this kind of lockdown phase, and, and I think it's a stretch God is calling us to. He's actually inviting us to this stretch. So, uh, you know, we kind of, a lot of us know that pop psychology stuff, introvert, extrovert, but there's another uh, model talks about a five-factor model of personality, and it's around uh, an acronym, OCEAN, O-C-E-A-N. I'm not gonna talk about all the rest of them, but the O stands for this openness to experience. And I believe the call right now is to open our lives again, to open up our world, to step out into new things. For some of us, uh, that means literally to open again. Because part of the lockdown, kind of life shut down, life got small and kind of this fear and just this oppressiveness and there's this call, come on, open up don't don't get used don't get so adjusted to that that's not a healthy place to stay open up again to what you were doing but for some of us it's a more profound call than that because you know it's such a cliche but there's now a new normal so it's not just open up to what i used to have it's open up to a new world open up to a new normal I think it feels maybe a bit like a bear coming out of hibernation, standing at the mouth of the cave, kind of looking out on this valley and snow and spring. It's like, there's a whole new world out there. And there's an invitation to come out of the cave to open our lives, to follow Jesus into all kinds of new possibilities. Maybe some definitions might help kind of work out where you are on the spectrum, because I believe this is a stretch for all of us, no matter where we are. So um, open individuals are characterised by this, a broader and deeper scope of awareness, a need to enlarge and examine their experience. I just don't want to settle for a small world. I I want to go bigger, deeper, higher, wider. I want to think about stuff. I want to enlarge this thing. They're imaginative. They're responsive. They're empathic. And this, they're exploring curious and unconventional it's like, there's a whole world out there and I wanna go and explore it. I don't wanna stay stuck in a little narrow world. But persons who score low on this, this tend to be closed and conventional. They prefer the familiar rather than the unknown. They have a rather narrow range of interests. And it's like, if, if you've got too comfortable in this little world, come on, there's a stretch now to open into new possibilities, to open into new relationships, to open into new connections, to open into a whole new world and a whole new normal. And, and there's a reason why this is so important. Um, I don't know if you've noticed the last few years, you hear a lot this concept of well-being. Our government uses it. Um, that in fact, last year's budget was called the well-being budget, and, you know, excuse my ignorance, but um, I didn't realize that was kind of a technical term, that there's this whole weight of research around what well being looks like. You know, it's around two main things feeling good and functioning well. But there's a lot of study in terms of what does it look like for people to be doing well in life? And not only that, there's a whole lot of research about what do you need to do to move towards well being. In fact, there was a famous study in 2008 in Britain that came up with what they called five ways to well being. They identified five practical things that you could do that would move you towards just doing well in life. And uh, these have been adopted by the Mental Health Foundation of New Zealand. And they're five simple things connect, give, take notice, keep learning, and be active. Let me say those again connect, give, take notice, keep learning, and be active. And, and here's the significance. I'm gonna unpack them a bit in a minute. But every one of those is an invitation to open up your world a bit, to open up your life. And it's like, that's why I feel like for Jesus it's such a such a pressing invitation to us because it's like for our well-being we need to open up our lives again at this moment we need to not accept that our worlds stay small and narrow and confined because God wants us to flourish God wants us to do well in life and that's going to involve opening up so for instance first one connect it's like Man, if I wanna do well in life, I've gotta got open my life to connect with people. Maybe in lockdown, my world got small again. I just connected with a small bubble. It's like, come on, now I need to come out of my bubble. I, I, need to, I need to go back to those groups. I need to go to those meetings. I need to turn up. I'm gonna do well in life if I choose to open up my world and reconnect and even build new connections. You know, and even for those of you with younger kids, I need to get them connected back with their friends at school. I need to get them connected back in their sports clubs and their music lessons. Come on, for their well being, I need to lead my family to open up and connect and not settle for a small little world. You know, it's interesting. Then they talk about um, give, and they're not talking about money. They're talking about giving of yourself and your time for something bigger than yourself, like volunteering, like serving. It's kind of a bit of a mind-blowing thing, like this is, this is, this is not Bible, this is secular social science saying if you want to do well in life, give yourself to something. So connection is about I build relationships that, you know, that satisfy me, But but I want to go above and beyond that, and I want to connect where I'm actually giving to people. So it's like connect and give, connect and give. You've been around equippers for a while. Maybe that sounds a bit familiar. Connect and give, belong and invest. Connect and give, belong and invest. We have talked about the big theory of growth. If you wanna grow, G, you do the B and the I. You belong and you invest. Like this is not a strategy, a cunning plan to grab your time to grow a church. We are here to equip you for life. This is how you're gonna do well in life. Belong and invest, connect and give. And it's like, oh my goodness, I, I need to choose that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get back involved in those e-groups. I'm gonna get back involved uh, in those services. I'm also gonna get back involved in those e-teams because I'm gonna do well if I'm connecting and giving, if I'm belonging and investing. Now, it's interesting, uh, just last year, a big study was published about research into this in New Zealand. Um, and um, they, they said this, Many adults in Aotearoa have low levels of well-being, this, with just one in four reporting high well-being. So so I just don't wanna go back. That's not good enough if 75% of us go, life wasn't that great before. And there are some clear strategies. If I'm gonna do well, I gotta get connected and I gotta be giving into something as the first two. Just if you think we're really bad, similar study in the US found 20% reported. So this is not great. In our modern world, we're not doing well. And there are some clear things, but they involve us opening up our life again. Interesting, just to dig down a bit deeper into those two things, the New Zealand study kind of compared how people combine those five things and, and this is what they found about that connect and give. This is a quote, just 15% of the sample participated in both connect and give in combination. As New Zealanders, we're not very good at getting this, that doing well in life is about connecting and giving. It's about belonging and investing. How cool is that The core of our values and equipers that we're saying, this will help you do life well. We're actually going against New Zealand culture in a way that goes, put these things in place, connect and give belong and invest, get involved in e-groups and e-teams, come to services, you are gonna thrive, you are gonna flourish if you do this. Just a few quotes, you know, they say this, a a core component of strong relationships is actually the act, they didn't say that, I added that, do the quote properly, a core component of strong relationship is the act of providing help and support for others. Research suggests, listen to this, research suggests that receiving support is beneficial to one's health. However, there's a growing body of evidence demonstrating that giving support may, may be more beneficial than receiving support. And, and like, this is mind-blowing. For example, giving support is associated with a lower mortality risk, whereas receiving support has no significant effect on ment- mortality I think Jesus told us that 2,000 years ago. If you give your life away, you'll get life. If you try to hold on to your life, you'll lose it. Come on, there's a challenge. There's an invitation to open up our lives. You know, they say individuals that help others are more likely to have greater self-esteem, a greater sense of self-worth, and rate their health more positively than those who do not help. It's like, man, there are some really... It's not rocket science. If you're gonna come out of this doing well, there are some simple strategies but they all involve opening up your life again. Come on, don't settle for a closed and narrow, shrunken, shriveled world, open again. To connect, to give. You know, the other ones though. The third one is just take notice. Again, I love we often have a month around Thanksgiving. Take notice. It's like, man, I live in a beautiful place. Look at that harbour. Look at these mountains. Look at these parks. We get to run through Cornwall Park. I get to, you know, I get to have fish and chips at the beach. I get there's rivers and lakes and you know, and I get to hang out with family and eat great food. It's like I just need to start taking note. I need to open my my experience to the richness of the world that I live in. Again, my world has got narrow of just sitting in front of a screen watching Netflix as I open up again. Take notice of the good things all around you. You know, number one, connect. Number two, give. Number three, take notice. Number four is keep learning. Again, don't limit your world, open up to new things. Learn a new hobby, learn a new pro- take on a new project, learn a new language, go back and retrain. It's like, you're gonna feel good about life where again, when you open your life to whole new things. It's like, do you see it begins to kind of make sense? I need to open because this is is how I'm going to do life well. And the final one is be active. Like actually put this thing in place, open up the door, get out there and get into your world. The physicality of it. And it's like, oh my goodness, it's so, in a sense it's so simple, so clear. Connect, give, take notice, keep learning, be active. But all of them... Involve an invitation, open your life up at this. I believe this is so important right now. I need to choose to stretch towards opening my life up. Here's the interesting thing. Traditionally, religious people score low on this. And there's a negative and a positive reason for that. The negative one I don't think applies to most of the people who'll be watching this broadcast because traditionally religious people like just holding on to the old ways of doing things in tradition. I think if you're part of this church, so much of the DNA is around revolutionary flexibility. You, this would have already done your head in if you were that kind of resistant to openness. But there's, there's, a more, there's actually a positive reason why sometimes our followers of Jesus are, are, not, are not scoring super high on openness. And it's this, there's some complexity in the definition. But here's the thing, this is why it's a stretch for every one of you listening today. Because you see this, there are certain things that I need to be open to change, how I'm gonna live out my life, how I'm gonna live out my faith, perhaps my job, perhaps my career. I'm gonna ha- I need to be open to that but there's certain things I don't wanna be open to change. There are certain core convictions, certain core values, and they're actually the foundation of my life. So there's kind of this paradox. I need to be really open to some change, and I need to be not open to some other change. And, that, and that's why it's kind of ambiguous. In fact, there's a book written about Jesus and this personality thing, and they, some people analyze Jesus and Paul. And on the scale of openness, they both get class, classed as average. But, but, but the funny thing about it is they kind of, psychologists have come up with six different kind of elements of openness. And Jesus and Paul both score really high on some of them, like imagination and feelings and actions and ideas. And then they score really low on openness to their values changing. And that's the complexity of this thing. It's like A unique Christian and Jewish faith has a unique perspective. Be really open to how you live this out, but hold on to some core things. And and so, um, you know, I want to talk about two models that are kind of presented of this in in faith. Um, Surviving storms and shifting seasons surviving storms and shifting seasons. Both are about change. So surviving storms. Luke chapter six is a passage where verse 47 to 49, Jesus talks about this thing of uh, building a house on foundation. The more well-known passages in Mark 7, the end of Sermon on the Mount. But I wanted to read this one. So verse 47, Luke 6. As for everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Here it is. They are like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid his foundation on a rock. There was something immovable in his life. And that was a good thing. You didn't want those things open to moving. Because then he says this, when a flood came, the torrent struck that house, but it could not shake it because it was well built. In contrast, verse 49, the man who built his house without a foundation when the torrent struck this house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. One of the things I've learned is this, storms come and storms go. But, so I need something that's solid that doesn't move in the storm that precisely gives me the possibility that, yeah, I, I hunker down, I batten down the hatches, I withdraw during the storm, but after the storm, because I've had a solid foundation, I throw open the doors, I throw open the windows, I step back into life. And I wanna tell you now, for some of us, it's like I need to know that there are some things that are solid around my convictions. And that's the thing that gives me the base then to open up to a whole new world after the storm, to step back, to get my kids back involved in school and sports, to get back involved in e-group and church services, to get back involved. I can do that, I can come out, I can survive the storm because I had something immovable under my feet. But the Bible actually presents an even more radical call to openness when it's not just surviving the storm, but it's shifting seasons. It's like the storm comes, but then it doesn't return to normal. Something changes and doesn't go back again. There's a new normal. And the book of Daniel, he, uh, he talks about this. Uh, he's living in Babylon. King Nebuchadnezzar has this vision of the statue of four different metals of gold and silver and bronze and, and iron. And, and uh, Daniel interprets this dream. And he interprets it as four empires that are gonna come and go and change the world. And and he prays this prayer when he gets a revelation about it. It's found in Daniel 2, 20 to 21. And he just says this, "'Praise be to the name of God forever and ever, wisdom and power of His.'" And then 21 says this, "'He changes times and seasons.'" He deposes kings and raises up others. And then He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to to, to the discerning. He'll help you navigate this, but the fundamental thing is this. God changes times and seasons. And I need to have an approach to life that lets me go. This wasn't just a temporary storm that came and went. This was a shifting of the season. The world shifted and I need to be open To a whole new world, and Jesus wants to give you the the power. He wants to entrust you with possibilities in a new world, but you need to be able to get your head around that. I'm called to be open. You know, in that metaphor, it's like. you know, they they got the Jews got used to living in this Babylonian Empire. They had to learn a certain language, they had to fit in a certain culture. And then a storm came, but it shifted seasons. Suddenly there's a new empire, there's a new language, there's a new new kingdom, there's new values, there's new institutions. I, I gotta adjust to that. And just when they're getting used to that, a new, there, was a, there was another storm and another shift and there's another new empire, the Greek empire. But they were so committed. Do you know what they did? They even translated their scriptures into Greek because they like, we know how to shift seasons. We know how to open ourselves to a new world. We don't just try and batten down the hatches and hold on to the past. We are able to step out to open ourselves into a whole new world. And just when they got used to that, then that passed another storm and there's a Roman Empire. But something in their faith understood God changes times and seasons. And so I need, to, I need to have a way of doing life that says sometimes God changes the season. And maybe coming out of the storm, it's not just surviving a storm and I reopen to the same old world. Maybe it's God shifted something and I need to open myself at an even deeper level that this is going to be really different. And it can be like, well, man, doesn't that just leave us really unstable? No, no, because Isaiah 33 verse 6 gives the other side. He will be the sure foundation for your times. He will be a rich store of salvation, wisdom, and knowledge. And then it says this, the fear of the Lord is the key to this treasure. I was reading something. It's not so much about fearing about, fearing God, as fearing what happens if I stray from the core commitments of God, that knowing that things are not gonna go well. So it's like, man, it's this tension, eh? I, It's like, I can't afford to move some core foundations, but I recognize I'm, going, I'm called to be open to live this out in a whole new way. And so there's this paradox in, in faith, like don't be open to some things. It's like the introvert extrovert thing. There's a stretch for everyone. For some of us, a real open. It's like no, don't be open to these things. Don't let these things move. These are your solid foundation. But then for others of us, it's like, no, don't identify yourself with that particular job, that particular business, that particular way of doing church or life, because it wasn't just a storm that you survived, it was a season that shifted, and you need to open yourself up to a whole new way of doing things. Another translation, he'll be the stability of your times. Beautiful paradox, something sure and stable and strong, something open to incredible new possibilities. And that's why there's this kind of ambiguity about it. You know, I've heard this a couple of times from people in leadership in our church that hold this well together. So I've heard Pastor Sam a number of times say this when, you know, looking at being open to some possibilities, like, well, what's the worst that could happen? We could run out of money. We might have to close it down. And then he always says, yeah, but my wife will still love me. My girls will still love me. And it's like this incredible thing. If I have a, a solid core, then I can open my life to risk and adventure. And it's like, man, where's the stretch for you around that? On a more structural, organisational level, I've heard Pastor Bruce say, you know, as a church, we're conservative in our theology, but contemporary in our expression. There's things that don't, we're not open to moving on core convictions, core values. We're all gonna, always gonna be about honouring God. We're always gonna be about community, being together. We're always, always gonna be about reaching out. But how we do that is always gonna be changing every week, every year, because we're conservative in our theology, we're contemporary in our expression. We're not open to these things moving, we're open to a whole lot of other things moving. Tragic, some groups do the other way. It's like, no, but we like how we do our music, we like the traditional way of doing things, but, but let's be super contemporary in our beliefs. That's a death sentence for the church, That security is a solid foundation on my convictions and an openness to the expression of those. Um, I was thinking about two different kind of pictures of this. So, um, tramping through the wilderness and sailing across an ocean, neither of which are really my thing, but um, anyway, (laughs) pretend they are. Um, A friend of mine did some research about people who had perished in the wilderness. Um, And sometimes like they died and their bodies were found just within a few hundred metres of a road or a a cabin or something. And the whole point that without familiar landmarks, they just got disoriented and lost their way and panicked. And and it's like, oh yeah, if you go for a walk in a national park, you know, there's a clear map and there's clear trails. And when you come to a fork in a trail, it's like, if you go left, it's two hours to this heart. If you go right, it's three hours back to the car park. It's like, oh yeah, this is real clear. In the wilderness, there's no map, there's no trails. So how do you survive in the wilderness? You control a very tight little environment around you. Have I got a warm, safe place to sleep? Have I got a fire going? Have I got water? Have I got food? I I have something that's secure at the core and I have a compass. and, And the fact that that is secure sets me free to have an amazing adventure and go where no one's gone before and there are no trails. It's a beautiful picture, I think, of how, how God calls us to do life. Uh, another one, Patrick Dixon, the futurist, he was at Shout and then he did a Zoom call uh, recently. And I remember at Shout, he talked about out sailing right in the middle of the ocean and looking up at the stars and hearing this bang, bang, bang on the hull of his uh, yacht and it's dolphins kind of, and, and just like this moment of wonder out there. And I don't know if you noticed, those of you who are on the Zoom call, he mentioned like, oh yeah, going into lockdown, my wife and I spent 16 days sailing across the Atlantic. You know, I have this gut reaction that that's both, both the most terrifying and the most boring thing I could think of doing. But for him, it's like, but you think about it. If you're gonna sail across the Atlantic, you probably don't wanna be open and blase about the water tightness of your boat. You probably wanna be quite secure that the bung is in the bottom and the hatches close. But if you manage a a tight little centre, you get to do what he talked about, being in the wonder of the middle of the Atlantic, gazing at the stars, seeing the dolphins, and and it's like, and it's this weird paradox. To do well in life, we need a centre that's secure. And and that gives us, it sets us free, it empowers us to open ourselves to wonder. And, uh, And so, here's this tension. On the one hand, and this is why I said it's a stretch. On the one hand, there's things I, I don't want to be open to at this time because, no, that's my strong point. And, but there's these things I do need to be open to. It's like, ah, how do I tell the difference? i got great news for you. Jesus has got you on this very thing. He's there for you to address this very issue. Um, the Gospel of John, many of you know, has uh, seven what's called I Am Sayings. And um, they're kind of Ambiguous in English, because in Greek, you don't have to have the word I and I am. It's like, so it's deliberately like he's evoking the, the Old Testament name of God. He's like, I am the great I am. But then he attaches to that some specific point of meeting you at a point of need. So it's like, are you hungry and needy? Well, I am the great I am who is for you the bread of life. Are you lost in darkness? Well, I am the great I am for you who is the light of the world. Greatest need you could be in. Everything's died. I am the great I am for you, who is the resurrection and the life. The strangest one that I don't think I've ever heard anyone preach about is this. I am the great I am, who is for you the gate. It's like, what an odd image. I believe it's the, it's, the, it's the thing, the most pressing thing for us to know at this moment. Comes from John chapter 10, discussion about uh, sh- being the good shepherd. And that's the image we generally know of. But it comes from the metaphor of a sheepfold that at night the shepherd would bring them back to a safe place and he would lie across the, the gate. So it's John chapter 10, verse seven, very truly or truly, truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. This, listen to this, they will come in and go out and find pasture you are going to navigate this tension between coming into a safe place where the gate shuts to protect you and going out into good places where the gate opens up and the shepherd leads you out. You know, it's fascinating. The famous verse is in the next one, which never really identified the context for this. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, go back. I have come that you may have well-being. I have come that you might flourish. And if you're gonna do that, you need, to meet, you need me to be the gate. Because you can't figure out what are the things you need to shut to to protect yourself from, because there's things that wanna rob you of stuff at this time. But what are the things you need to be open to? And you need to trust me when I open the gate and it looks a bit scary, but that's a new career, but that's a new job, but I don't understand. He's like, trust me. I'll protect the things that I don't want to change in your life, your core convictions, but I'll lead you out to a good place. Gates shut and open. They shut out the things that will rob you. They open to lead you to things that are good. Let me get real for this. with this. Surviving storms and shifting seasons. Maybe the new thing is maybe your business might not survive, but I'm not going to let that make me question whether my life is worth living. Maybe there is something new out there, but I'm going to, Jesus is going to shut the gate to questions about my identity and worth. That's not up for grabs with this. Maybe I might lose my job, but I'm not going to let that pull away, make me pull away from my spouse and become distant or run back to old habits and addictions. No, no, the gate closes on those things and it opens to new careers and new jobs. Maybe I am gonna have to retrain. Maybe I might have to refinance the house or sell the house, but that's not gonna make me pull away from church out of shame, because it's like, Jesus, you're gonna be the gate. You're gonna, you're gonna protect something at the core of who I am <laughs> that gives me the foundation to then open up and follow you into new pastures, follow you into new adventures. God, there's an invitation right now, I believe, to open our lives afresh. And, and Jesus is, is saying, you know, I am the great I am. I am the God who is for you, the gate. I'll help you navigate this thing. I'll help you understand. No, don't let that stuff into your life. That's just gonna rob you. No, do open up to these new things because I've got something new for you out there. You know, and I love the fact, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but say, so, you know, Jesus is a gentleman, he respects your choice. And so again, one of those famous verses in the Bible, Revelation 3.20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in. He's like, I'm here for you. I'll help you navigate this thing. I'll help you feel solid and secure and safe with things that will never shift. Come on, you're my child, you're loved by me. You have value, you have purpose. You belong amongst my family. You're accepted, you're welcome. Those things will never shift. But I'll open the gate to a whole new expression. Whether that's surviving the storm or shifting seasons, I'll be that for you. But first of all, you have to choose to open the gate of your heart and invite me in and let me be the one who helps you make those decisions? This is such a strategic view of Jesus, dimension of Jesus for this moment in time. Because he so desperately wants us to flourish, he so desperately wants us to discover well being. And everything in secular, social science, and faith tells us I'm gonna have to open my life up to do that. And you can trust him to help you do that well.